Well, good evening, King of Kings live community and those online. It's good to have you here today. And uh, greetings from Pastor Chad as well. He's traveling for two or so weeks, uh, maybe three weeks, and uh, keep him in prayers so that he understands to take a little vacation as well. Because it, it doesn't come easy for him, I tell you. I've watched this guy for a while and and some people just love to work. You know, it, Jesus, Yeshua said that me and my father, we are always at work. And sometimes, you know, we start imitating them and uh, just continue working all the time. And, and uh, you know, I remember sometimes God puts me with a flu or something in bed and, uh, and it's like a little slap to the back. Time to rest. It feels good, really. And uh, some of you may, may, you may have watched me as I walked in like, hey, this guy, he's preaching. Where's his Bible? And, uh, you know, in Israel, it's more uh, culturally appropriate to preach from a scroll. So I made one myself. I always make one myself so that, you know, when I go to Finland, you, you can have a Bible and read from a book. But here... Yeah, but it's good to have a Bible with you. I'm not uh, condemning you if you didn't come with a scroll. Yeah, praise God. Well, yeah, we are at this series uh, this summer on deconstructing God, his true character, to see what kind of God we serve through the through the different pictures, uh, looking at different people in the Bible, how they experienced God, how God intervened in their lives. And today, we are going to look at Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, who is known to be the weeping prophet. How many of you cried today for something? Yeah, it, it's like a preparation for today's sermon, if you did that. And I asked someone if... In our staff, on our staff, if she cried today, and she said, yeah, felt like at least someone is prepared. It's good stuff. And uh, so, let's go into the Word, but let's pray. God, we pray that our ears would be open to hear what you have to say. We pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will work in our lives today, that we would change, Lord. We know that you are, you've called us to this process of everlasting change to be more like you until one day we have that glorified body and, and we are with you and, and uh, we are the spotless bride that you will receive. Bring us, Lord God, in our lives to that point where, where you can be a proud husband who receives a spotless bride. We pray, pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. So Jeremiah, we are going to look at his life. And, and while we look at his life, we have to look at uh, the life of uh, Israel and Judah. Because without that, 
that wouldn't be the experience necessarily that he went through. And so Jeremiah's name means exalted by the Lord or God will lift up, something to that direction. And, and Jeremiah comes from a line of priests and his father was Hilkiah, the high priest in Anathoth, the city of a Levite priest in the land of Benjamin, just a, a few miles or a few kilometers from here. You all know where Anathoth is? I think there's an airport there and, and there is also actually they take the stones, these white stones, many of them that you see in the buildings come from that area. There's a, a big, what is it called? Cura, quarry. It's like, I know someone's last name, Quarry, now, now I know how to say that. Uh, great, many of us know the same person. Uh, so it's in the land of Benjamin, and he's born during the 13th year of, of Josiah, king of Judah who is the grandson of Manasseh. I preached a couple of months ago about Manasseh, how evil this king was. And, and Jeremiah also lived during four other kings here in the land, or the land of Judah. He authored four books, basically Jeremiah, Book of Kings and Book of Lamentations. So as, as Pastor Mike gave me this task to talk about, Jeremiah's life, I, I didn't realize how many books we are talking about. And, uh, you know, preaching four books in one evening, it's like asking preach the whole Bible in one evening. It's impossible. So, he authored this book with the assistance and editorship of Baruch Ben Neria, his scribe and his disciple. Many of the prophets in the Old Testament have disciples as well, or those that learned to be prophets. So Jeremiah was 21 years old. Anybody here 21 years old? Yeah, there. I see your hand, I see your hand. There's a desire to go back here. And uh, so he was 21 when King Nebuchadnezzar II came and overtook this city of Jerusalem in year 6,005 BC. Where do I get this 2,000? It's so far away, so 605 before C. Is that Christ? I don't think it is, uh, but it's close in terms of years. And uh, there were some of these waves of attacks by King Nebuchadnezzar against the city and against the kingdom of Judah over two decades. Just give you a little background. When more and more people from here were taken into captivity in Babylon. So it took, took a long time actually and bits and pieces were taken over there. More and more attacks and only around year 585 BC Nebuchadnezzar II destroyed the temple completely and also the old city walls completely. And, and they say from excavation there was nothing left standing. Over these two decades or so, maybe just 25% of the inhabitants here were taken to captivity. 
and there were Jews continuing living in the kingdom of Judah during the captivity. Most of the Jews in the captivity actually never returned back to the land of Judah. But after the fall of the Neo-Babylonian kingdom, empire, the Jews had the freedom to return here. But most of them chose to go up north or west and not to return here. So around 626 BC, according to Jeremiah that we are going to open up in a second, Jeremiah receives a call from the Lord to prophesy. How exciting. Do you feel excited sometimes or you feel burdened when you prophesy? This was about five years before King Josiah, king of Judah, turned this nation towards repentance, towards repentance from idolatrous practices. According to the books of Kings and Jeremiah, these reforms that Jehoiah, King Jehoiah had were not enough to save Judah and Jerusalem from destruction that was caused by the sin, sins of Manasseh, Josiah's grandfather, and Judah's lustful idolatry and foreign gods, among other great sins. Not enough. So we read from Jeremiah 1, how this young man receives a call from God. It says here in chapter 1, verse, verse 4, that the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Allah's sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young, like these two brothers. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I sent you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down and destroy, to overthrow, overthrow and build and to plant. I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what, they, what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you to do, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. 
So this is the call out message for Jeremiah. I believe he's very frightened, scared. As it says, he feels in a, in a, that it's an impossible task. And he's shaking. The Lord reached out his own hand and put it in his mouth. And words started to come out. He tried to hold maybe his mouth, but he had this burning inside. And he, the words came out, I will, I will judge, I will destroy, I will remove, I will cause this and that. I will blot you out, you will perish. These horrible words, but the truth. And through these prophecies, Jeremiah becomes an enemy of his own people, of his own nation. Think about this, he has to prophesy to his people that they should not resist the enemy coming, but willingly surrender and go to exile. That almost sounds like a, a treason. God's word is something to them that they definitely don't want to hear. Jeremiah is given a very unpleasant task by the Lord. Well, whatever. God's goal is not to make you happy. It's to make you righteous. If you're looking for happiness, I don't know where you can find lasting happiness. But I think with the Lord, you will find suffering if you truly serve him. And so did Jeremiah. And we should use God for our purposes. No. He should use us for his purposes. His goal is to make his plans become your plans. Make his heart desire become your heart desire. And like in the case of Jeremiah, he wants his words to be in your mouth. Sometimes God ruins our plans so that our plans won't ruin us. In Jeremiah chapter 20, the prophet complains to God about his task. He says, Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. When I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word in my heart is like fire, 
Fire sets up in my bones. I, I am wary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him, the Lord. All my friends are waiting for me to sleep, saying, perhaps he will be deceived, and then we'll prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Many of us remember these attacks against Jeremiah. At the end of chapter 11, Jeremiah's prophecies prompted plots against him. Unhappy with Jeremiah's message, possibly from concern that he would shut down the priestly practices in this city, in this Levite city of priests, Anathoth, his priestly friends, that were his closest friends and men of Anathoth, plotted to kill him. However, the Lord revealed this conspiracy to Jeremiah and protected his life and declared a disaster for the people of Anathoth. You might think it's bad that your friends want to kill you, but, but it gets even worse. A priest, Bashur, a temple official in Jerusalem, had Jeremiah beaten up and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin for one day. So he was tied up in the upper gate for one day, his own tribal gate. At least the name was by his tribe. Cistern. After Jeremiah prophesied that Jerusalem would be handed over to the Babylonian army, the king's officials, including Pashur the priest, tried to convince King Zedekiah that Jeremiah should be put to death for, for disheartening the soldiers and the people. King Zedekiah allowed this to happen, and they cast Jeremiah into a cistern where he sank down to the mud. The intent seemed to be to kill Jeremiah by, by starvation while allowing the officials to claim to be innocent of his blood. This reminds us, of course, a very similar situation that Joseph was in when his brothers put him into a cistern and then later sold him to Ishmaelites as a slave whom took him to Egypt with them. I believe that there in the muddy cistern, Jeremiah must have pondered his life. Maybe it's right there where he cursed again the day he was born. This is how much he loved his job. Why did my parents have me made? Why is this all happening to me? Is there never an end to this? 
Is this the end? Why did God choose me? I truly tried my best. I don't know whether I screwed up, but it's not looking good. But I believe that he also remembers God's solid word at the time when he was called to be a prophet. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So he knew that all these other things of the same prophecy had passed already and he could stand firm on this promise that the Lord will rescue him. Ebed Melech, an Ethiopian, comes and rescues Jeremiah by pulling him out of the cistern. But yet Jeremiah remained imprisoned until the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonian army in 587 BC. However, the Babylonians released Jeremiah and showed him great kindness, allowing him to choose the place of his residence according to Babylonian writings. Another plot by Johanan in Jeremiah 41, we read that after Jedaliah, the appointed governor by Nebuchadnezzar II, had been assassinated by an Israel, Ismail, Israelite prince Ismail for a claim that he was working with the Babylonians. Johanan, a captain of Judahite army, pursued Ismail and it's, it was able to recover all the people Ismail had carried away as captives. In Jeremiah 42, we read about this. Then all the army officers, including Johanan, son of Kare, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah, the prophet, and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. Jeremiah replied, I have heard you. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord God sends you to tell us. Whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us for we obey the Lord our God. Ten days later, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. So he called together Johanan, the son of Korea, and the army officers who were with him and all the people from least to the greatest. He said to them, this is what the Lord the God of Israel, to whom you send me to present your petition, says, if you stay in this land, I will build you up 
and not to tear, to tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord. For I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. However, if you say, we will not stay in this land, and so dis disobey the Lord your God, and if you say, no, we will go and live in Egypt, where we will not see war or hear trumpet or be hungry for bread, then hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, if you are determined to go to Egypt, You go, you settle there. Then the sword you fear will overtake you. You there. And the famine you threat will follow you to Egypt. And there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, famine or plague. Not one of them will survive or escape the disaster I will bring on them. So refusing to listen to Jeremiah's counsel, Johanan and all the other people with him fled to Egypt. But they took him, Jeremiah and Baruch, Jeremiah's faithful scribe and servant, and the king's daughters with them. There, Jeremiah probably spent the reminder of his life still seeking to turn the people back to God. Some say that there he died in Egypt. There's no historical evidence of that, but there's also no story for him coming back from there. So God chastises whom he loves. In Psalm 23, 4, David says that God's rod and staff comforts me. In Hebrews 12 and 6, the Lord disciplines whom he loves. He chastises every son he receives, every one. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It's not a favorite message nowadays. I remember, one second. You know, one day I was working some stuff that men work at, and I had this USB cable that I took from the floor. I took one end, and, and the other end just swung to my eye, just like that. 
and you know if you take one end you know the other end can go anywhere it likes kind of thing and it hit my pupil in my eye and it made a scratch and boy that scratch was painful and uh, uh, over the night when uh, the eye got very dry you know it started kind of drying up and, and the scratch opened up again and, and I had to kind of keep the eye open for 10 minutes like this just to get the pain away I remember that and uh, I felt like the Lord, this his rod, rod comforts me and I started to realize that that my eyes are actually wandering in places where they shouldn't be wandering in. And it really comforted my spirit that the Lord would bring in such a clear way a reminder, a painful reminder to me and in this way show his care of my well-being. God withdraws his guiding, his spanking, whatever you want to call it, from those that totally abandon his instructions, his law, his Torah, and lets them wander without any conscience of without any rod to guide them to a direction to wherever they want to go. And, and this, is, this is a painful uh, punishment for those that don't care about the Lord's words. This is a sad outcome in the days today for some that eventually become so full of pride that they boast and take pride in their sin. Without any regret or remorse, they celebrate it. They celebrate their sinful life as they oppose God, their maker. It feels in case of Judah and Israel that they had come to this point where they had totally turned their backs rightfully against God. Their priests were prophesying their own prophecies to the people, not what God told them to do. Israel was this wife or bride that we just sang about to their God, unfaithful bride that had gone way too far. But still in Israel's case, God had loved them with an everlasting love, made a promise never to forsake them. He had to stay faithful to his promise, continue loving them through spanking, real hard spanking. I'm not saying you should real hard spank your children just to be clear on that but that's what he did real hard for his people 
he continued loving them. In his love, he used the rod to lead them back to himself. In his love for his people, God had his servant Nebuchadnezzar come and take many of them out to Babylon. God loves whom he rebukes, whom he chastises, whom he corrects, whom he spanks, even more than spanks sometimes, to bring them very close to his heart. This is the care for those that need that kind of care, experience to know that there is a God, true God, a real God, who is real for them. He loves them and doesn't want to see them perish, but have everlasting life. At the same time, while he's punishing his people, the story tells us that God forbids Jeremiah even to pray for them because they needed to go far enough to be rescued. In Jeremiah 7 and 16, we read this. As for you, do not pray for these people or lift up a cry of prayer for them and do not intercede with me for I will not hear you. Pray no more for these people, Jeremiah. Do not weep or pray for them. And don't beg me to help them. For I will not listen to you, Jeremiah. Of course, Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, the weeping prophet cannot hold back his tears. He writes in Lamentations 1. I'm just going to read a little bit from here. From verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7 onwards. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in the day of old. When her people fell into enemy's hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed, laughed at her destruction. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her now, for they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to their skirts she did not consider her future. Her fall was astonishing. There was none to comfort her. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy has laid hands on all her treasures. She saw pagan nations enter her sanctuary, those you had forbidden to enter your assembly. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. You can read more of these 
lamentations. For time's sake, um, it's really heavy stuff what, what, what he's presenting to the Lord, how he's interceding for his nation. God had to do something about the sin of his people. They had to pay a price. He could not just let this go. A famous Canadian clinical psychologist, Jordan Peterson, says, I have never seen anyone get away with anything. There's always a consequence for all our actions. What you leave behind is what you find in front of you, in good and in bad. God collects the book of all that we've done. While God is willing to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, the heart of the word of God is also that he has given us a ministry of reconciliation to reconcile our horizontal sins that we do against each other by some form of recompense, restitution, or coming together and finding forgiveness. I know I'm running out of time. The 12 o'clock today is coming soon, midnight. I can't go that far. From Godly's perspective, Jeremiah ran, he ran a good race. He was faithful until the end. Jeremiah cried and preached about 40 years and he saw almost no visible result among his own people. Rather, they wanted to shut him down and kill him. His friends spied on him to accuse him. He was falsely being accused as a traitor to his own country in Jeremiah 37 and 13 we read. Yet he had this burning fire inside fire that cannot be quenched within. I cannot hold this inside. It's burning within me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah never saw glory days. He did not receive the praise of men. Kings were not his friends. Maybe with the exception of Nebuchadnezzar II for a while might have been his friend. He just saw the Lord. His eyes were fixed on him. His mouth was locked on God's words. Nothing else mattered. A weeping prophet, weeping for Israel, for Judah, weeping for their state, for their sins, for their calamity, hopelessness, their broken relationship with God. Endless weeping, endless sorrow. But there, and yet God in his mercy, 
puts in his mouth also prophecies for the future about the bright future of restoration. God does not want to leave Jeremiah or Israel without hope. He comforts those who mourn in Zion, for Zion. Like Jeremiah, we as believers, Christians and Messianic have this same burning task as well. To see the salvation of God, to reach every soul in this land. The restoration of these people. If you don't know yet, this is your life task to see this happen as a, as a believer. This should be our burn within this plan of his for our lives is this, to pray those words that Jeremiah prayed in Jeremiah 31, six and seven. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come let us go up to Zion, the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says, sing with joy for Jacob, shout out for the foremost of the nations, make your praises heard and say, Lord save your people, the remnant of Israel, and bring them back to this land. May the Lord increase this burning in each one of your heart until we see that day that this nation receives their Messiah, is filled with the Holy Spirit and weeps and mourns for the one they pierced. How many of you have that burn inside of you? How many of you want to have that burning heart? Help us, Lord God, in this task, I pray. We pray, Lord God, that you will put that same fire in our hearts that Jeremiah had for his people. To say and to cry out, Lord God, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Save them. Reconcile them, Lord God, in Yeshua with the Father. Enable us, Lord God, to be the intercessors, to be the encouragers for this nation, the comfort for this people that a great day is coming when joy and laughter will be filling all these streets of Jerusalem, the joy of the Lord's presence. It's coming. Help us to bring that about, to join with your hearts. We pray, Lord God, that, that your plan will be our plan. 
that your heart desire will be our heart's desire for these people. Thank you, Lord God, that you will perform and do this in Yeshua's name. Amen. And as we start to worship the Lord, if you have really something in your heart you need help with, we are here to pray with you. Maybe it's a sin that that you want, that, like this nation needs to remove many of their sins. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you want to denounce and, and get rid of. Come here up front, we'll take a time and pray with you. Amen. <laughs>